Hey y'all, welcome back to Cedar Country, our second episode. That's Ray. Howdy. And I am RJ, since Ray decided not to introduce me. What a lovely co-host I have. Do you want to try that again? Let's try it again. No, we'll get it. We'll get it next week. Oh. Well, now I look like a loser. All right, fine. We'll do again. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cedar Country, episode number two. That's Ray. That's RJ. And uh, this episode is definitely going to be more of one of our edutainment, I guess we'll call it. More of an educational episode. Uh, This week, I at least wanted to start us down the rabbit hole of the history of country music. But uh, a common uh, thematic idea in country music is roots. Like, you know, the roots of things. He's even that Zac Brown Band song, Roots. So we're going to... I wanted to go back even further and kind of see where did where did country music come from branching out. And so it's going to heavily focus on uh one of the I guess uh I guess since I actually referred to him as roots initially it's going to I'm it's we're going to primarily focus on one slash two roots uh both of them if you want to split country music into two roots. Country music is by and large an American music genre it was one of the first american music genres uh the music that we commonly refer to as roots music or it's uh classically known as folk music but as i mentioned last week folk music takes on a kind of different connotation nowadays so now we call what they called folk back then or old time music what we call old time music or roots music and that kind that was what kind of evolved into country music or again i guess country music spawned out of that but the history of country music goes back to uh, even pre-America. I took a class in college called American Popular Music. And so we, we kind of took a look at the history of popular music in America. And obviously back at the beginnings, we're gonna talk, we talked about kind of the influences for different popular American genres of music, country being one of them. And with that one, we uh, talked about how the two main roots for country music, uh, they come from Europe and from Africa. And unfortunately for us, there isn't a lot of written history, at least with music, when it comes to the African side of the history of country music, which is super unfortunate. I would have absolutely loved, 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 loved to go into kind of like what kind of... uh, uh, led us to it so we're gonna we're i mean that has a lot to do with like their habit of not recording things but more of having sort of a uh, a story sort of yeah the it's uh an oral history as opposed to a written history a lot of older cultures particularly during pre so I, I can't say pre anything because it, it really depends on the culture you have ancient cultures that have written history but unfortunately for a long time i'd even are you i mean egypt is definitely a part of africa uh, so that there's definitely written history in africa but um i don't remember offhand and i can't remember where my book is about it but i don't remember what part of africa the roots of country music originates from but um this is it's kind of the same thing it also led into like delta blues memphis blues, basically blues well, rhythm and blues uh is also kind of has evolved from uh african roots a lot of what we have in country music from african roots more has to do with some instrumentation particularly with the banjo 
Uh, the banjo is an adaptation, an evolution of an African instrument that I cannot for the life of me remember the name of. But then the other thing, obviously, is because as you know, a popular genre that has come from African roots other than country music is rhythm and blues. And so rhythm is a lot of what uh, we garner, like a lot of... I mean, that's even, it was, that was even a thing. It took a long time for it to kind of bleed into other genres of music from blues and gospel and things of, to kind of give a simple example, talking about, <laughs> I'm really bad at explaining things. So to give a kind of simple example, instead of, you know, you have four beats in a measure, one, two, three, four, and talk about clapping. So keeping time, a lot of the music that has kind of come from European culture really focuses on the one and the three. So one, two, three, four, whereas we're talking about on off beats in that and kind of um, what some may call non-traditional kind of rhythm. So having on the two and the four, one, two, three, four, and that kind of has been kind of used in country music over time. So looking at blues is a good way, and we'll 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 have a whole episode where I want to talk about blues. Uh, not all blues, because blues is kind of turned into a different kind of sounding genre of music. But early blues ha- very much has uh, a lot to do with what has become like southern rock and country music comes from blues, particularly I think like Delta blues and Memphis blues. So we'll focus on that more when we get to there, and we can talk about that more, also because I totally forgot I needed to do some more research, uh, so we're kind of winging this one. Uh, but <laughs> So we're primarily going to focus on the European influence of country music today, because that's what we have. I'm going through recorded history, and so that's primarily what we have to go on. And uh, Specifically, we're talking about songs in country music. We're not talking so much of artists or the the sound, although that, that has to do with, like, these are songs... I sp- I specifically what I did is I went through uh, Wikipedia and I went through like the history of music as far back as I could and picked at songs and listened to a little bit of some of them that kind of were like, yeah, that 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 makes me think of that might have been something that down the road influenced country music in some way or influenced something that influenced is kind of the seven degrees of separation idea of influencing influencing that influences that influences that influences that even though seven degrees of separation actually has to do with knowing people but that's beside the point so basically we're just gonna take a look back at songs and so primarily what it's gonna be early on is gonna be uh Help me out here. You know a lot more about Middle Ages kind of stuff. Yeah. So is is minstrelsy the like music of the Middle Ages, right? Pretty is much, that what they called yeah. it? Okay. I think so. Because there's also minstrelsy. We'll talk about this later. Minstrelsy is kind of uh, so the, a, a kind of dark spot in American history is uh, minstrelsy is also the the name of a American. It's it's a dead genre. It's a, I would say a dead genre of music. Uh, or entertainment, I should say, uh, that, because it primarily focused on the use of blackface. And it was a very, it was, it's considered the first uh, truly American genre of popular music. That was what, yeah, it's, like I said, it's a kind of a bleak spot on American history. But it, it, I, I feel like if you're gonna, you can't, if you take out the negative aspects of history, you're not gonna learn from that. And so, and I mean, it does, there, there's definitely, we talked about this in my um, music business class, actually. We talked about Al Cholson, who was a, uh, a vaudeville performer. So vaudeville, which is kind of, vaudeville is kind of a uh, not quite as racist version of minstrelsy. Minstrelsy, 
So, I mean, vaudeville show is, you know, it's a, it's a variety show. Yeah, kind think of, of early your, variety show. Think of, like, an older, like, a um an olden days sort of Saturday Night Live or something or, like that. Or, like, like even, I mean, I mean, a better Saturday Night Live, except for that's all comedy sketches. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking more of thinking, like, uh, so the, the, mo- the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of variety shows is The Muppet Show. That's that's truly a variety show because you have comedy, you have music, and all this. That that's a variety show, and that kind of a variety show is kind of an evolution of vaudeville, which is, I mean, vaudeville definitely. I saying that vaudeville didn't have any blackface is gonna be totally wrong. In fact, I, I actually learned recently there's even blackface in the early days of the Grand Ole Opry. Oof. Yeah, but that that was a it was a um uh, a duo that was part of the Opry for several years in the beginning. But I mean. This is like we it's it's a, it's incredible to me how we can we look back on blackface with such distaste. I mean rightfully so, but even like how many years ago now? I mean now I mean I guess from when we were kids it would have only been 30 years, so 30 40. Now it's more 40 50 years ago. I'd say 50 60 years ago is kind of the end of when blackface was like not totally looked down upon by basically everybody kind of weird right it's it just... is it's it's a weird thing and it has to do i think it has to do with america trying to find its identity but anyways i think yeah i think we're getting a little off topic it's from definitely where we to be yeah that's that's you a topic. got you got another tangent. This is a topic for another day i'm very I gotta, good i gotta rein you in a little very bit good here tangents there. yeah you're here to, i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta you're gonna keep me you're gonna keep me reined in so anyways so what we're gonna be talking about is going back to the other kind of minstrelsy uh, the you know middle ages minstrel you, music yeah, yeah minstrel the, the... music thank you that's what it's called it's, it's different minstrel C is different from minstrel music not quite as much because um i guess i don't know mr middle age expert so one one was um because i know from my understanding from what i know is most of the music we're okay i think takes place like during and post renaissance so that's um, before that's after middle ages right i actually i'm pretty sure that minstrelsy started around in the dark ages yeah but i'm, I'm asking you. like the so the middle ages is that did the middle ages is that concurrent with the renaissance just in a different part of the world or is that pre-renaissance uh, i think i think it's yeah, pre. I, I, i'm pretty sure it's pre-renaissance okay, so most, it, it goes like it goes dark ages then middle ages when everybody i could give you a whole tutorship about what leads up to the renaissance but I mean, that, we won't do it here. Yeah. So, but um, because the, the Renaissance is around in the 15th century, right? Yeah, it, which it's, is about where most of our music history is starting here. It's right after the second oh. wave of the Black Plague. Yeah. And so, so I I do remember now. So most of the music we're talking about isn't gonna the early the earliest tune we're gonna talk about actually was around between according to my research all all of this is according to research i did on wikipedia and some other sites but the first song on my list is from between 401 and 500 but then the next song is literally a thousand years later between 1401 and 1500 so that's i wonder what happened in it's that hundred years well it's first of all it's a thousand years that thousand years. I wonder what happened. Well, so the first song that we're going to talk about, which we'll get to in a second, the, it actually isn't the song itself. In fact, that itself won't finally show up in the form we know it as today until, I think, the civil, the American Civil War or the war... What do they call it? The War of Secession? That might have been it. I don't know. They call it... Yeah, they totally call it something else down south, and it, it, it blows my mind. Like, 
I mean, I didn't know that till after I graduated high school that they 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 had called it a totally different. Yeah, it's name. it's funny because it's funny how much like the um the history books are written by the victors. They don't even take into account what the other group might. Yeah, think and or I feel. think I think because there are definitely like a lot many survivors on both sides. So I think that's kind of why we have these two different names for it. But anyways, so. Uh, since, since we live in here in Michigan, what we know it as a, the American Civil War, so I, I'm gonna refer to it as that, but it's, but anyways, like I said, the final version of this first song didn't even really exist until, oh, my apologies, I'm wrong. It wasn't the American Civil War, it was the American Revolutionary War. No. Yeah, oh, that, that, totally, that's, that's totally, totally way earlier, like a hundred years prior. But so, so most of the music prior to what we're talking about, um, there's a lot of Latin music. Uh, there's a lot of classical, like the Baroque period happened before. I, I remember this do, doing my research because I went through years before I found anything that I was like, can use because it talked a lot about operas. There was, and I mean, a lot of it was like, you know, Bach and Mozart and all that. And then even Beethoven. But like before that, they had like things like there was in like ancient history, there was like a like written thing of what they say is like a song from an ancient culture. I don't remember because it wasn't what I was looking for. So I kind of glazed over all that. And then there's like a lot of, uh, um, like I said, a lot of music in Latin and a lot of it is like Gregorian chant or it was a lot of, uh, stuff in the Catholic church. Country music more has its roots in kind of the folk music side of things. And we don't really have a lot of that until music kind of evolved here in the 14, 1500s. So I guess now is as good as time to actually get into the kind of history we're talking about. So the oldest song I have on this list is, like I said, between 401 and 500. And can you wager a guess what's the oldest song that I have tied to country music? Is it Greensleeves? No. No? What is it? Yankee Doodle. Like, like, oh my gosh. And actually, thank you for doing that, for not even using the words, because between 401 and 500 is when the tune for Yankee Doodle first came around. So just the do 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 that whole thing. And that's public domain. We can sing that. I'm pretty sure. It is. It is. Like, most of this early stuff is public domain. Public domain is everything up until, like, the 1920s, which is just after the start of recorded music. So... Just just off on a tangent, do you know what isn't public domain that totally should be? Hmm. Th- that you never would know? Did you know that Happy Birthday isn't public domain? And that's why they can't sing it in any restaurants? That's your fun fact of the day. That's something also, you know. That now. song's in a minor key. That's weird. Yep. But it's not like it's not like like usually when you get something in a minor key, it's, yeah, yeah, it's doom nice and, and sad. Yeah, and yeah, like, or sad. But it's it's not. It's the way it's written. But if you transpose it to a major key, it sounds off. But anyways, so up until a little bit down the list, most of these songs. So uh, because this is back way in early history, recorded music didn't show up until I believe 1889 is the first records of recorded music. And it was like a lot of things. It was probably invented by several people simultaneously way, at least different ways. Like the ability to record the human voice, I think was created, but I think the one that kind of prevailed unsurprisingly was the one by Thomas Edison, which is the wax cylinder. But like I said, that's not even until 1889, if I remember correctly. And actually, most of those early recordings are lost to time, like the actual recordings themselves. Interestingly, uh, on a quick side note, I have actually found online there's 
the earliest surviving recording of the human voice and it just it's really weird sounding and kind of creepy so if you have the time and want to check that out it's like you just youtube like earliest recorded voice well, i can, I like can that. imagine that it sounds just a little it's, off it's some woman talking or something i think and it's uh from france i believe is where oh. it is it, is it is it is it her it's saying a, is it her saying like um, Mary had a little lamb or something? Like I believe that? so. Yeah, something similar to that. Oh yeah. Which reminds me, you mentioned Mary had a little lamb. So on this list, even though it's we're talking about music, there are some nursery rhymes, and I feel nursery rhymes have definitely kind of like tie into country music. To tie it directly into modern country music, there's that Casey Musgraves song "Merry Go Round," and one of the line "Mary, Mary, quite contrary, she got bored, so she got married." Uh, but anyways, good song. Anyways, so because this is all pre-recorded, when I was writing this list down, I was specifically, instead of putting the recording artist, I have the composer. So up until we get to recorded music, we're going to be talking about the people that wrote it. And then after that, we're going to be talking about, um, cause it's, it's supposed to be the popular music. Well, I mean, I don't think they, yeah, I, I don't think they would write down every single other person that performed it in their stead, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I'm going to be mentioning the composers for these songs up until we get to recorded music, uh, which will probably not be this episode because that's a ways down. But after that point, then we're going to be talking about because uh, country music kind of originated around the same time that uh, recorded music first was invented. This is a little bit country music came around a little bit later, but not by much. So we're pretty much going to get right into popular artists of country music. So, anyways, like I mentioned, the the earliest song we have on this list is the tune for Yankee Doodle. So just the do 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 do, and that came around between four hundred one and five hundred. And then the first version we have with lyrics, uh, there was different lyrics than we have today, and it was in Dutch. And these are, and that's from Holland, right? Is where the Dutch are from? <laughs> the Netherlands. The Netherlands. The Netherlands. Okay, we're gonna. I'm going to, I feel bad. I should know that. I don't, I, like, I know, I know, I know I should have known that. Dude, Michigan is so Dutch. You should I know. totally know That's that. That's why I'm really, b- so, uh, the name of the song then is called, uh, and I'm like many, there are a couple foreign songs on this list. And I mean, even though Yankee Doodle is a kind of song, I'm going to probably botch the pronunciation, but it's Yanker Diddle. That one I might not botch as bad. There's a, a couple songs later. We have one that's like in Yanker, French. Yanker Yanker Didle? Yank, yeah, that's. I was going to say, if, I, if I'm wrong, it's probably going to be Yanker Didle. But I don't know Dutch very well, the, the language. And by very well, I mean at all. I know a little bit of Dutch. I know a little bit of... Then I will, I'll trust you on this. It's probably Yanker Didle. But that's... It's a, a different a different lyrics, but that's... um. It was a popular version of that song up until the new lyrics were written during the American Revolution. Uh, still, nobody knows who came up with those words. Um, But that... Adding the words to the tune kind of came around about a thousand years later, between fourteen oh one and well, fifteen hundred. I'm, I'm fairly certain that it was sort of a parody song because I remember we're gonna get to that because that okay. that is that has to do with the final form of the song. That's you are right. You're totally right. We'll we'll get to that. For that, we got to get down to the seventeen hundreds, and we're still back in the fourteen hundreds. Uh, most of these, by the way, it's it's about the time that it was composed. Although some of the accuracy on that is probably not totally right, especially like the older it is. So I apologize for any off information here. This is just based off my research that I did. So anyways, the next song that we have is called The Battle of Otterburn. 
Nobody knows exactly who wrote that song, and that originated in the 1430s, is as far as I could get it. This is one of the cases of um, kind of where we branch out with European. A lot of it is going to be, you know, there's going to be a little bit of French, but not mostly, because that France is mostly, especially at this time, dealing with like your classical and your opera and things. Same with, uh, I think, uh, Germany. So this is going to be more like the Scottish Highlands and Ireland. So there's definitely going to be some of those. There's going to be more further down the list. We're going to have some uh, like sailor tunes or uh, shanties. That's the term for it. And then there's, you know, some, there's some like, like, like I said, minstrel songs and things and stuff that kind of came along that the Britain part of Europe, I guess, is what that be. I'm not super, I'm not as familiar with Europe as I should be probably. Cause I, I keep, can, I, I can lead you along. I can lead you along. Okay, but uh, the Battle of Otterburn, which is a, it's it's kind of like a minstrel tune where it's a song written about a battle. Uh, the battle itself, I guess, took place in Scotland, and according to Scottish sources, according to Wikipedia, it took place on the 5th of August in 1388 is when the actual battle, although according to English sources, it says it took place on the 19th of August. So kind of some debate Conflict, there, yeah. conflicted thing. Basically, it took place in thir- this, the battle took place in 1388, and a song written about the battle that became popular called "The Battle of Otterburn," which is the name of the battle, obviously, came popular in the 1430s. And then the next song on the list, yeah, I'm gonna botch the pronunciation. It's a it's a German tune. Pardon my bad pronunciation in Just, German. You want me to? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Ray. Go take a stab at it. S for Ein Bauer Eins Holes. Yeah, I would have totally done that differently and probably even I don't I don't know if there were lyrics to it. This is from fourteen eighty, but this this is the tune or the song that would evolve into the farmer and the dell. So let's go to Wikipedia. So it's known as um I mean, a lot of these nursery rhyme, it's, it's a nursery rhyme children's song singing game. Um, but it definitely, I mean, it, it definitely hits on a lot of what country music is known for, which is the rural life, the farmer in the dell. So, um, this song is included on what is called the Roud Folk Song Index, which is something I don't remember who put it together, but it's from like the 70s, 80s, 90s they started. And Some it's, hippie dude. It's still, actually, it's like a professor or something, and it's still like being updated today i don't know if it's by him or by the foundation that it's part of or whatever but it has a lot of like sea songs and and folk songs from different parts of the world particularly some europe but there are also some american ones on there because folk songs you know continued into america with having new ones created i mean these are in this when i say folk songs i'm also including things like bob dylan songs and things like that i think are included in this i'm not sure it's been a while since i looked at that list but a lot of these songs on here i got from that that I didn't just find going through like the history of music. So there are some, there are definitely lesser known tunes that are like folk songs and things. So this is one of quote Wikipedia. The rhyme was first recorded in Germany in 1826. Even though it says 1826 songs being written down don't necessitate them being that old. And some of them are way older. Like I said, this one is probably from like, I did this research a while ago and I'm not going to remember where I found all this information because my memory is not super great about a lot of things. But I came to the conclusion that the song is from 1480. So the next song that we have is known by two different names nowadays, more commonly known by one than the other. Uh, And this is also the first song on our list. 
it's an old tune that is now become a Christmas song. So there are going to be some songs in here that are Christmas songs. But even getting into country music that's popular, we're going to run into that again because I think one of the big hits in country music one year was uh, uh, Gene Autry's like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So I think that made just like the general top hits. But anyways, that's that's way further down. But the first song that we're going to talk about with that is God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, which uh not quite as commonly known, but is also known as Tidings of Comfort and Joy. And much like many, there's we're about halfway before we get to a possible composer, but not likely composer. But as of right now, we're still in where the composer for this tune is completely unknown. But this song, it's I mean, it's a common Christmas song, so everybody probably knows it. But it was originally from, as far as we know, like I said, especially this early stuff, this is all kind of guesstimates um, based on research uh, between 15 old. And that's that's another thing, especially this early stuff. We're going to have a lot of between such and such because it was it just tells me it's from this century. So this is going to be the 16th century because it's between 1501 and 1600. But then the next song is going to be the original version of John Barleycorn which is a, a folk song, I believe. I don't remember a lot about it. Uh, it's a super old tune, and there's a more recent version of that somewhere there. And this, that song was another one from the 16th century, so between 1501 and No, most of these songs I kind of know, but then you throw that one up there, I know nothing about that freaking song. All right, song. let's go down the old rabbit hole. John Barleycorn, folk <laughs> song. Uh, it's a British folk song. The character of John Barleycorn in the song is a personification of the important cereal crop barley and of the alcoholic beverages made from it, beer and whiskey. In the song, John Barleycorn is represented as suffering, indignities, attacks, and death that correspond to the various stages of barley cultivation such as reaping and malting. It says countless versions of the song exist. A Scottish poem with a similar theme, Coisold Nacht Alain Honorit Bay. Yeah, no idea. Let me hand that iPad over to me. Okay, it's the it's the first hyperlink there at the top. Quaisold knocked Alan Hort Oh Honorit B. Okay. I I mean that's probably about as good an ad or as bad as I got it. So basically, um that it's 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 a, it's an English it's, broadside. It's Gaelic. Yeah, it's definitely Gaelic. Uh, yeah, the next song is uh, we have a couple more songs that are that just kind of are from the 16th century and have no specific date or year attributed to them. It's known by both the Little Mohi and the Last of Mohi, and it's a folk song of some origin. I want to say either Scottish or Irish, but I'm not quite sure. And then the next song is one that probably everybody knows. Nosgallon, or in English, New Year's Eve. Actually, maybe that isn't it. That might. Oh, I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of uh, uh, Old Lang Syne is what I'm thinking of, and I think I have that confused. But it's a it's a New Year's Eve song. It's called Nosgallon or New Year's Eve. This is also from the 16th century. And another one. This one I again is either an Irish or Scottish. I want to with this one. I want to lean towards Irish folk song. I'm going to botch this. Um, there's an English version, an English title, but it's The Frog Come or Came, but I'm going to go with Come because there's no E. The Frog Come to the Milder, uh, the Frog Went a Courtin. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with it, but you frog apparently are. Recording and she did. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's um, 
that was from uh, no later than 1548, but it might be older than that. Granted, a lot of these songs might be older than I say they are. That's one of those things, like, early Europe didn't record their stuff so well until, it, like, if it didn't become popular, mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't put insignificant things down. So, like, I can't even imagine how much music we've lost over these years. I mean, but that's that's everything. It's oral tradition. I guess, like, old versions of songs we've definitely lost. But a lot oral tradition is pretty strong in basically every culture. So, there's not... I'm sure we haven't lost as much as we may think we've lost, but I'm sure we've definitely like lost some songs because it just happens. So the next song is called uh, The Ballad of Chevy Chase. There's some pretty fun trivia about this song, which should be kind of obvious, uh, is the fact that the famous SNL actor Chevy Chase was named after this song. At least according to sure? Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, the ballad inspired the childhood nickname and adult stage name of the American comedian and actor Chevy Chase, whose actual name is Cornelius Chase. That's which is really cool. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah. So the song is about um, it's an English ballad. Oh, that's right. It's actually there are two songs, two ballads that are called the Ballad of Chevy Chase. So the ballads tell the story of a large hunting party upon a parcel of hunting land or chase. In the Cheviot Hills? Cheviot? I don't know. C-H-E-V-I-O-T. A range of rolling hills straddling the Anglo-Scottish border between Northumberland and the Scottish borders, hence the term Chevy Chase. The hunt is led by Percy, the English Earl of Northumberland. The Scottish Earl Douglas had forbidden this hunt and interpreted it as an invasion of Scotland. In response, he attacked, causing a bloody battle after which only 110 people survived. Both ballads are collected in Thomas Percy's Relics, Reliques, and the first of the ballads in Francis James Child's Child Ballads. Different versions were collected in England, England Scotland, and the U.S. Are you telling me that his... That's... <laughs> That's really bad. You're nicknamed after a, after the song about a about a. It's a popular ballad. That's it's really funny. Yep. Uh, kind of dark. Oh yeah this this one it's um the song is fairly similar apparently to the Battle of Otterburn. Um and in fact some people think that the Battle of Otterburn is an earlier version of the Ballad of Chevy Chase. This is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Realms and Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. And now we finally get to our first song that has a possible composer... Although, from what my research shows as an unlikely composer, there is a very small chance. Uh, so, uh, it is another, now known as another Christmas song, 
what child is this? Although I think I have it later in the list. What child is this? Uh, with lyrics, but I think the original tune, Green Sleeves, it's from 1580. And although the composer is officially unknown, there is a theory that it might, not very likely, but maybe, maybe, maybe was written by Henry VIII. Which, not super great, but hey, that's history for you. So, and then we get to another song. This is another song that's really popular. Uh, it was made popular by the, the folk duo Simon and Garfunkel. The song is called The Elfin Night. Never heard that song. I'll have to look it up. You actually have. Yeah. Um. Well, probably not the song in that form, but the tune is the tune to Scarborough Fair. Oh. Yep. It was written sometime between 1600 and 1650. So the first half of the sixth or the seventeenth century, uh, but the original song at that time was called "The Elfin Knight." Uh, again, unknown composer. We're back to not knowing the composer at all. And then the next song is another. It's another popular Highland folk song, "Bonnie Barbara Allen." Although I think nowadays it's just called Barbara Allen mm-hmm. or, or Barbary Allen. I've actually performed that song like in high school when I used to be a choir kid. We <laughs> Perform that song. Was that part of, uh, was it just for one of the concerts or was that for the, um, the Madrigal dinner? No, it was show? for a competition. Oh, for a competition. That's nice. Yeah. It's very, I love that tune. There's, um, there's a, a popular version of that was, uh, performed by, uh, Jean Ritchie. I think she, she was an immigrant from, like, the, the Highlands. Uh, but she just, lived, she lived up, up in, the, or she grew up in the Appalachia area. It's, it goes like da 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 Well, maybe is in Scarlet Town where I was born. There was a fair maid dwelling. Do 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 do. And her name was Barbara Allen. In little town yeah. where I, I was used, born. like you said, you performed it back in choir, so it was probably a more formal version of it. But it's definitely a song that's been recorded by uh, some co- early country music artists. I don't know if there's many modern recorded takes on it, but it's a very good tune. Uh, it's about a girl named Barbara Allen that's summoned to this the, a boy that loves her is dying and he wants to see her before he dies. And then her she's heartbroken and she dies herself and they were buried next to each other. And then they, some, uh, thorn or some, uh, uh, roses. Ro- yeah, rose grew like a true, a true lover's knot. Da 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 da, Barbie Allen. That was like the end of the song. It's a very good song. It's, uh, that is also from the 1700s. Uh, and then we get to a song, and a lot of these songs, these early songs especially, have a couple names that they're known by. So this one is called Maddie Groves or Shady Grove. It's another folk song. Most of these are probably folk songs. It's a lot of, folk songs and stuff and that's again from the 17th century here's one that you know and this is another one that more recently has been kind of delegated to nursery rhymes and children's songs but rain rain go away of of course everybody knows that rain rain go away come again another day this is also from the 17th century and now we get to the first one that there is actually a tune to this one but some of these nursery rhymes don't have a tune so much as just a rhythm uh but three blind mice now that we're in getting into the 17th century, we're getting way more into some nursery rhymes. 
And there's actually also one we're going to start getting, for the most part, I think, more specific years as opposed to this decade or this century. So it's unknown who wrote Three Blind Mice, although it's stated that it might have been written by Thomas Ravenscroft, and it's from 1609. So I couldn't find the name of this one. This is one I'd like to probably go, not necessarily for the podcast, but in my own time, I'm probably going to go back and try and find this and throw out more because I really like this song, or at least a certain take on it that I really love. But it's it's the English lyrical song that inspired the song The Old Chisholm Trail. So the version that I'm very familiar with and really love is by Randy Travis. I went back and I found like the one of the old versions of it, and actually there... I found obviously variations on the lyrics for pretty much every line, but uh, variations on whole. There was a whole, it's a similar but different stanza, I guess, or verse, but there was one verse in Randy Travis's version that in the version that I found wasn't, there wasn't any correlation to any other verses there, and it, there was no version. I can't remember what it was offhand, but it's one of the ones towards the end of the song when he's like meeting with his boss, and I can't remember exactly when. Yeah, that song kind of reminds me of. Like House of the Rising Sun, where nobody knows where it came from, but everybody and their mothers sang it. Yep. Uh, but that song is from 1640. Or at least the English lyrical song that inspired the Old Chisholm Trail. The Old Chisholm Trail, I think, is a song that kind of was... I mean, nobody knows its exact origins, but I'm fairly certain it's from the American West. And then now we get to our first confirmed composer... And another Christmas tune. This one is called the Huron Carol, or "Twas in the Moon of Winter Time." Yeah, you never hear that. That's it's a not this song, isn't it? I'm, I'm like surprisingly, we haven't really heard it, despite our proximity to it. But apparently, from my understanding, this song is still fairly popular in Canada. But I, I know I've heard of it, and I know I've heard it at some point in my life. But I couldn't tell you the tune or anything. But I know I've heard of it. Like uh, I said, it's called the Huron Carol. Although I think I've heard of it referred to more of uh, "Twas in the Moon of Winter Time." But it was written by, uh, I'm going to botch this because it's like a French name, but it's uh, Jean de Brebeuf, Brebeuf, not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but it's from 1642. It sounds like you didn't mess it up too bad. Now we're going to get to, I th- I'm not sure about the first one, but the song after the one here that I'm going to mention is definitely kind of, despite the name, has nothing to do with where it's from. There was a, so there was a... <laughs> There was a point in history where it was a common practice, kind of like it was the thing to do in music to give your song kind of an abstract name that didn't really have anything to do. It's kind of like like Fallout Boy on their early like albums. Like Nirvana. Kind of, or, yeah, like kind of Nirvana does, does it too, where they kind of give them a title that doesn't really correlate to anything in the song. It's not part of the lyrics. It, it doesn't have anything it's it's like kind of a random name although it's a lot more basic um so the first one here which i'm not sure if this one is part of that trend but it's called grimstock and i don't know much about this song at all other than it was composed in 1651 and like i said with most songs i'm pretty sure it's a folk song uh this next one is definitely part of that trend the song is called jamaica i don't know who composed it it's from 1670 but i don't know what it's about but i don't I think I listened to part of it, and it doesn't sound any... It doesn't... You you probably, when you hear Jamaica, you're probably thinking, like, you know, uh, steel drum kind of Caribbean music. Or maybe even, even like, Hawaiian music or something like that, but it's absolutely not like that. This is still your old, really old playing on a harpsichord, maybe, or something. Uh, And then we actually get to Scarborough Fair, the actual, with the lyrics that we know and love today, 
though the lyrics for that tune came about it, uh, also in 1670. Uh, another fairly popular, I guess, children's song. This is one I, I remember learning on piano. Uh, Lavender's Blue. Mm-mm. Do, 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 I'll be your kingdom if you'll be my queen. I probably botched the lyrics, but it's, it's a popular children's tune. Um, it's very, it's very. I like the, I like the melody. It's, it's similar. Like it's one of those melodies that, um, it was kind of one of the simpler songs for me to learn on piano. But it has like this charming kind of like melody. Similar, I find like the same thing with uh for Elise and there's uh Alouette. Oh, those are both more classical pieces. I think both of those are composed by. I- it kind of reminds me, do you know, do you remember, like, one of those, like, organ grinders? Do you know what an organ grinder is? Not offhand, but I know I've heard of it. Like, the thing, like, the... Is it kind of an autoplay thing? Like, like the guys with the monkeys, the tin cups? Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. it kind of reminds me of something that would be on an organ grinder. It. I'm sure that at some point in history there's been an organ grinder. It played a tune similar, if not actually used, Lavender's Blue. Alright, so now we're going to get to the first song that might be a sea shanty. It's for sure a ballad. So the song is called Captain Johnson's Last Farewell. I have no idea what that song is. Um, this is the information I got from some library or something, some archive thing uh, from the University of Michigan. So, Captain Johnson's Last Farewell, who was arraigned for being assisting in the stealing a young heiress for which he received sentence of death and was accordingly executed at Tyburn the 23rd. Of this instant, December 1690, to the tune of Russell's Farewell, licensed according to order. Alternate title, Captain Johnson's Last Farewell to the World. So yeah, it's a song about a guy named Captain Johnson. That's all I really know. Um, but it's, I, I think it might be a, a sea shanty, but I'm not quite sure. That's from 1690. And then the year after that, 1691, we get a song called The Bachelor's Answer to the Helpless Maiden. Also don't know who composed it, don't know much about it. I think I've heard this song before, but I can't, like, I don't, I can't think of a tune to it offhand. Alright, well, uh, the next song is called While Shepherds Watched Their Flocks, which I, from the sounds of it, I think is a Christmas tune. And then, this is another name I'm gonna botch, but it's, uh, like, I think our second confirmed composer, uh, Laureate Nahum Tate. And this is, we are now in 1700, so we're now in the 1700s. We're getting close to the American Revolution. Yes. Uh, that's actually going to be coming up here really quick because there's not like a ton. A lot of the tunes here are going to really kind of pop up after uh, we kind of become our own country. Do we get to talk about Yankee Doodle now? Uh, no, we're oh. still we're still at 1700. Oh. Actually, we're in 1701. But I'm going to make your day a little bit better because we're talking about the first that I can absolutely say for certain. Uh, I guess I can't say for certain, but I'm another one. I'm fairly certain of another uh, sea ballad. It's definitely a sea ballad. I don't know if it's a shanty, but it's a sea ballad, and it's probably one of the more one of the most popular ones. It is the ballad of Captain Kidd, or just called Captain Kidd. I don't know the tune, but I know the words because of the I Spy Treasure Room book. It's uh, my name's Captain Kidd, and I did what I did. I don't remember the rest of it. That's all I can remember. Nobody knows who wrote it. That's from 1701. Now we're going to really get into some nursery rhymes, because now we're to Jack and Jill. 
which is uh, during the 18th century, between 1701 and 1800. Same as the next one, which is Little Jack Horner, another nursery rhyme. Uh, and now we're to a song called Tavern Bilkers. I think I'm going to like this song. I don't know a ton about it. Let's look it up. So this is from Britannica. So it's the, the page is actually about John Weaver, who is the composer. It is a, oh, it's a burlesque. Tavern Milkers is, I guess, a burlesque that he wrote and was a part of. Because he's, uh, he was a dance teacher like his father. It's from, uh, but it's from 1702. And now we're going to get to a song that I know you know called Sam Hall. I believe it is the same Sam Hall that Johnny Cash recorded in uh, the American Four. I feel like I've heard it. It's just, I, I, mm. if you went back and listened to it, I'm sure it's I'm one that probably I probably sure that, but I, I believe it's the it. same tune that Johnny Cash recorded on the American four. So that, that's called Sam Hall. It's, uh, it was written 1707 or later. Uh, it's not confirmed. They think that might be as I think it might be that when it was written, but it might've been written later than that. The composer in this one, I can't super confirm. Um, but now this is our first kind of, uh, we're going to get into kind of songs that kind of influence the more gospel side of country music. And it's more of a uh, traditional hymns kind of deal. So the first one here is called When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And from what I understand, it's written by Isaac Watts. I have a note here for myself that says double check, uh, which means I guess I'm not super sure if it was written by him, but uh, I don't really know for sure. Uh, and that was from 1707. Um, and now we have another nursery rhyme in 1708, Old King Cole. Another kind of children's tune that uh, you should know, The True Lover's Farewell, although more commonly known now as Fare Thee Well. Fare Thee Well, Fare Thee Well. I always get that song, like, I kind of, like, evolve that whenever I kind of think of that one into Polly Wally Doodle, which I don't think is the same song, but, uh, Fare Thee Well, Fare Thee Well, Fare Thee Well, My Fairly Friend. I don't know. I don't know that song, but okay. But it's from 1710. I'm surprised you don't know that one. Wow. So this one, <laughs> this one has three different titles. Uh, I will tell you then when I'm done saying the end of the like uh, main title that I guess I gave it, which is the farmyard or the merry green fields. That's the name of the. That's the name of the title, the farmyard, comma or the merry green fields. But its two alternate names are Old Missouri or Ohio. Frick, that first name was a freaking mouthful, man. Yeah, I know. It's from 1719 or 1720. I don't know much. Here's a song that, like, if you... Another children's song, but if you don't know this one, I will be incredibly surprised. Like, I'm not... I guess I'm not super-duper surprised at Fairly Well. I am, but I'm not. But I am? But this one, like, you absolutely have to know this song. Ah, vous déragez, maman. You have to know this. Come on. I don't speak Italian. It's actually, I think, French. I just can't speak French. I don't speak However, Italian. However, it's, it's known here as Ba Ba Black Sheep. What song is that? <laughs> I'm kidding with you. <laughs> yeah. Have you any wool? Uh, but that's from 1731. And some more uh, children's nursery rhymes. Uh, these ones I don't know of any tune i guess i mean some of them have kind of a basic tune but it's more of like i said kind of a rhythm like hickory dickory dock or uh sing a song of sixpence or merry merry quite contrary which all those kind of seem to have the same rhythm hickory dickory dock 
Sing a Song of Sixpence, Mary Mary, I guess Mary Mary Quite Contrary is a little different, but they're all from 1744. Uh, and then we get another uh, hymnal, which is uh, Soldiers of Christ Arise by Charles Wesley. All right, Ray, tell me what song we're going to next. If it's not Yankee Doodle, man, I'm going to be mad. It's Yankee Doodle. Heck yeah. Yankee Doodle, as we know it now, came about in 1755. The tune, as I said, is as old as 401, so it's the oldest song on our list, but the words that we know, Yankee Doodle came to town, or riding on a pony, etc., etc., didn't come about till 1755, amidst the turmoil in the American colonies. So, uh, this is obviously, once again, verbatim straight from Wikipedia. The tune of Yankee Doodle is thought to be much older than the lyrics, being well-known across Western Europe, including England, France, Holland, Hungary, and Spain. The earliest words of Yankee Doodle came from a Middle Dutch Harvest song, which is thought to have followed the same tune, possibly dating back as far as 15th century Holland. It contained mostly nonsensical words in English and Dutch. Yanker Diddle Doodle Down, Diddle Dundle, Lanther, Yankee Viver, Vuvervoun, Botermilk, und Tanther. Farm laborers in Holland were paid as much buttermilk, boltermilk, as they could drink and a tenth tander of the grain. The term doodle first appeared in English. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. Drinking buttermilk? Well, buttermilk is a hyperlink. Let's see what this is. Buttermilk is a fermented dairy drink. Traditionally, it was the liquid left behind after churning butter out of cultured cream. However, most modern buttermilk is cultured. It is common in warm climates, including the Balkans, South Asia, the Middle East, and the Southern United States, where unrefrigerated fresh milk sours quickly. Buttermilk can be drunk straight, and it can also be used in cooking. <clears throat> I mean, we're we're from Michigan. That is, it's like me not liking sweet too much. It's just like the, I I didn't grow up drinking it, and I think it literally. I think. I'm going to take some time here. I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash from people, especially because it's a country music podcast. A lot of people that like country music lives in the South. But tea, unsweet tea and sweet tea, to me, at least what I've drank, literally tastes like the liquid form of, like, hay. And you don't like... I, I can understand sweet tea because it tastes like liquid diabetes. But uh, you don't like regular tea either? No, it it literally tastes like I'm drinking hay. Get the frick out of my podcast. No. <laughs> tea is delicious. I, I like tea, but not real tea. I like, like, mango tea and peach tea. Get out of here. Go. All right. All right. Anyways, go. I'm going to make you happy again. Go we're going, on. We're going to go back to talk about Yankee Doodle. So the term doodle first appeared in English in the early 17th century and is thought to be derived from the Low German doodle, meaning playing music badly, or dodel, meaning fool or simpleton. So what do you think is the weirdest, like, line in that entire song? Off the top of your head. Stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. Why? Well, I'm pretty sure it has to do with the macaroni club in uh, England. You're... You're not totally wrong about having to do with macaroni in England, but I don't know. Are you talking about club like a group or club like a club that you hit people with or what? Like a group, like okay. they, like they, might... they, they were known for. Yep. They were known for like elaborate feathers hats, and they actually named the macaroni penguin after that exclusive club. So you're pretty much right on, except for that um, it's a macaroni wig, and it's an extreme fashion in the 1770s. And became slang for being a fop. Fop being 
a pejorative term for a foolish man excessively concerned with his appearance and clothes in 17th century England. Uh, it's it's funny that they would call us macaronis when when you know that I I could go on and on about the powdered wig and syphilis and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Anyways, so dandies are men who place particular importance upon physical appearance, refined language, and leisure hobbies. A self-made dandy was a British middle-class man who impersonated a, an aristocratic lifestyle. They notably wore. St- Silk strip cloth stuck feathers in their hats and carried two pocket watches with chains, one to tell you what time it was and the other to tell what time it was not. The macaroni wig was an example of such Rococo dandy fashion popular in elite circles in Western Europe and much mocked in the London press. The term macaroni was used to describe a fashionable man who dressed and spoke in an outlandishly affected and effeminate manner. The term pejoratively referred to a man who, quote, exceeded the ordinary bounds of fashion, unquote, in terms of clothes, fastidious eating, and gambling. In British conversation, the term Yankee Doodle Dandy implied unsophisticated misappropriation of high-class fashion as though simply sticking a feather in one's cap would make one to be noble. Peter McNeil, professor of fashion studies, claims that the British were insinuating that the colonists were low-class men lacking masculinity, emphasizing that the American men were womanly. It's really funny coming from the British. (laughs) Again, To be honest, I mean, I'm not... Sorry, British viewers. Listeners. Listeners. Viewers. This is a... You know, I have a real face for radio. Just kidding. Um, you, Listen, I, it, it's it's funny to think about that they thought of us as low class and feminine. I mean, but you might... I'm, I'm sure there are people in Britain that like would hear you say that and think, Oh, it's funny of him to think that British people back in the 17th century were... And whatever. Powdered... Wigs were also popular in America until sometime in like the early to mid 1800s. Mostly with Anglophiles. I guess that's a fair point. Anyways, this isn't. We aren't. We aren't talking about general culture. We're specifically talking about the history of country music. So let's actually get back into what has to do with the song. So. The song was a pre-Revolutionary War song originally sung by British military officers to mock the disheveled, disorganized colonial, quote, Yankees, unquote, with whom they served in the French and Indian War. So this is, it was actually written during the French and Indian War to kind of mock their, at the time, co-brothers-in-arms. It was written around 1755 by British Army Surgeon Dr. Richard Schuckberg while campaigning in Upper New York, and the British troops sang it to make fun of their stereotype of the American soldier as a Yankee simpleton who thought he was stylish if he simply stuck a feather in his cap. It was also popular among the Americans as a song of defiance, and they added additional verses to it that mocked the British troops and hailed George Washington as the commander of the Continental Army. By 1781, Yankee Doodle had turned from being an insult to being a song of national pride. And then there's a little America, heck yeah. So it's it's got a very it's one of the more interesting songs because it's uh the tune is super duper old way the oldest song that I have here and then the 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 words as we know were written by a British man Dr Richard Schuckberg as kind of a mock of American troops and American yeah of the American soldiers of the time and then they went and turned it around during the revolution as kind of a, one of our more patriotic songs and to this day it's definitely one of the most well-known kind of patriotic songs of America so that's it, it's super interesting this is the house that Jack built is another it's another nursery rhyme this one's from 1755 same as Yankee Doodle 
Uh, then we have the Gosport tragedy, which is from 1760. I assume it has to do with a boat. I don't know much about it. Uh, another nursery rhyme, This Little Piggy Went to Market, 1760. Don't know who wrote it. Simple Simon, another nursery rhyme from 1760. Uh, and then there's a song called I Wish You All Good Night. Uh, it's written by James Hook. And it's it, from 1765. I think it's just a folk song. I don't think they're, I don't think it's like a children's tune or a ballad or something like that. Um, then there's a song called Smiling Polly. Don't know if that's a nursery rhyme or not. Uh, I'm not familiar with it. It's from 1765. Then we have another nursery rhyme, Hey Diddle Diddle, also known as The Cat and the Fiddle, also, also known as The Cow Jumped Over the Moon, which are <laughs> literally the first three verses of this nursery rhyme. And it's in 1765. And while not specifically country music, I know that that nursery rhyme was kind of used in the, um, I mean, it has actually been recorded by, it was recorded by Johnny Cash, but it's, I think the most notable recording being by, um, uh, Harry Chapin of, uh, what's that song about the kid that like wants to just hang out with his dad, but then it like, his dad can never hang out with him. And when he grows up, he's like, sorry, dad, I can't hang out with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the cat, mm-hmm, the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Mm-hmm, little boy blue in his man in the moon. Mm-hmm, See, that's literally, yeah, the cat in the cradle. That's what's called. But that's it uses the hey diddle diddle the cat in the fiddle. The cow jumped over the moon. Da 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 da. Little boy blue. Um, and the next song is called Old Robin Gray. Kind of old, like old Lang sign, which I don't remember what that word is supposed to mean. So this is, I think this is one of the ones, I'm not quite sure, I don't think this is a hymn, but it was written by Reverend. Reverend William Leaves and Lady Anne Barnard wrote Old Robin Gray in 1772. And that brings us to the end of pre-American independence, because the next song on our list was uh, written in 1777. Uh, and I think it's going to be a good place to stop, because then we can talk about from... 1777 until the end until the beginning of recorded music is probably where we'll go to next with this kind of list of popular songs that kind of led to what became country music so this is kind of the first part in going through the history of country music and prior and obviously we've all been in prior because we haven't we haven't mentioned any the only time we've mentioned any names of art of country music acts or writers or anything that anybody probably know is just in passing. Like, oh, hey, Casey Musgraves did this song. So we'll we'll get to that. So I don't know how we're going to chunk these specifically. I'm going to cut you off right there and we're going to settle yeah, up and ride off into the sunset. Yeah. This, has been, uh, this has been Ray and RJ. Hope you enjoyed our... Uh, yeah. Wow, you're really riding off in the sunset. But yeah, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, uh, as we mentioned last episode, I don't know if we'll mention this every time, but we are also part of a another podcast called Realms and Nerds, where we play D&D with several friends. Uh, neither of us is the DM. Uh, instead, we just like to mess around with our DM. And then you can also find us on social media. Uh, I did actually decide to make a Facebook page. There's a Facebook page for Cedar Country. I don't know if there's a nice little link to it yet. I gotta look into that. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Our handles for Twitter and Instagram are, are both Cedar Country. The only difference is the one on Twitter, there's an underscore between the two words, whereas on Instagram, it's all just one word. So that's a thing, I guess. But then you can also find us on Twitter, like, individually. I am at the RJ Moore, T-H-E-R-J-M-O-O-R-E. 
and Ray is at Hunter Subclass, which is Hunter underscore Subclass, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something similar to that. I'm sure you can find it through some way if you really try hard enough. But Hey, if I get enough followers, I might actually use it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said that last time. But anyways, like Ray said, it's about time that we run off into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs>